So, hello, and welcome to My Dollarama's Top Picks. I'm Coco Green, armchair critic and aspiring academic, with my co-host, Abla Candeloft, film programmer, journalist, and researcher. In Top Picks, we discuss marginalization, resistance, and some of the isms in drama, documentary, mystery, and independent films and series. Now in its 11th year, My Die champions independent film and in using the medium as a platform for underrepresented and oft-ignored voices. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at My Dollarama, and if you like what we do, you can like us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, short link, mydie.link forward slash Apple, or Spotify, mydie.link forward slash Spotify, and support us with either a one-time or monthly donation at mydie.link. Oh gosh, mydie.link slash donate. Finally, you can subscribe to our newsletter at mydie.link forward slash subscribe. Thank you very much. So this week's a special one because we are joined by our guest, Eddie Dernan. And Eddie happens to be a subscriber and a, a long-time listener of uh, my Dialarama and a long-time supporter of ours. So Eddie was quite keen to talk about a film that he saw recently that's quite close to his heart that he'd like to talk about and defend. And he regularly offers us suggestions and recommendations for things to watch and talk about. So we thought instead of just talking about the film he wants us to discuss, we'd have him on because he has some really fun and clever insights into the films we're going to talk about. And he's an industry professional. Eddie works in special effects. So Eddie, welcome on the show. Would you like to say a couple of words about yourself? Uh, so hi, my name's uh, Eddie. Uh, I work in uh, visual effects production. I'm really excited to be here. Um, a lot of the films I work on are very uh, big budget mainstream blockbuster um, films, which is why I think the work of um, uh, websites like My Dialorama is is really really important in um, in championing uh, independent cinema and um, voices that that don't often uh, get a sorry, but voices that uh, don't often uh, get a seat at the table uh, in uh, mainstream film. So, yeah, really happy to be here. Let's dig in. You are on tonight to talk about Malignant. It's time we cut out the cancer, guys. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. (laughs) And I'm really nervous as well because I I would be interested to hear what Sakura thinks of it. Um, But let's let's find out. Okay, so the suspense is killing us. Sakura, what did you make of Malignant? Well, first, let's read the synopsis, just so everyone is on the same page. So, Madison, a young woman, is terrified by visions of the murders of strangers. Later, Madison decides to find and save the victims. It's a pretty straightforward 2021 film directed by James Wan, who I found out has had quite a significant career. I am never familiar with directors, but he directed Saw. And I think those are some of my favorites. Very fancy. And. Oh, I didn't realize you liked Saw. Yes. And that's I I believe I talked about that before. I had to watch them by myself because no one likes (laughs) the time they were out. No one wanted to watch them with me. You know, actually. Stacy did like horror films and she liked Saw. I don't know why we didn't watch them together. Probably because she, you know, was in a relationship and I'm guessing she watched it with him. But now I don't really remember. But the point is I had to watch them by myself. It was petrifying, but I liked the premise of all of them. And I want to say I may have seen one of the Saws at the drive-in, but I also can't remember that either. But he also did Aquaman, which I've not seen. 
he directed that, which was... Yeah. And it made, like, over a billion dollars at the box office. And I think, basically... Uh, Did it? Sorry, just as a little segue. It kind of um, revived the um, kind of DC Comics, like, cinematic universe, as it were, for um, Warner Brothers. Because I think it was the first film of theirs after Justice League, which was quite a highly publicised flop. And then Aquaman came out a year later and was like, I'm smashing, I guess, put them uh, back on course, really, uh, with the public. So, so yeah, no, I'd, I'd definitely recommend that. Um, it, it kind of, it, it kind of has a very, certain elements of like camp and kitsch that, um, I think actually present themselves in Malignant. So it's, it'd be an interesting one to watch after having watched Malignant, for sure. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's how I would describe Malignant. It was camp, but it was fun. So I actually did like it. And I was surprised oh. by the plot. Phew. It's weird you were going to excommunicate me. It's like, basically, it's the equivalent of whenever I, I ask anyone if they like Carly Rae Jepsen's music. <laughs> I remember that. So we, we won't go there. But I will say, oh. I do... But see, I like things like that. Like, I, I, you know, I say regularly, I like soap operas. And part of it is the fantastical things that happen. But part of it is that, too, like the dialogue. And I liked her sister's character as well. Um, and we do spoilers. So I will say the part where the sister died, I was kind of happy. Because she was a little annoying, especially when she was trying to convince the police it wasn't her sister. It's like, you don't have any evidence to the contrary. Even though the audience did think her sister didn't have anything to do with it. But I thought that was creative how the twin was part of her and coming out and the jail scene uh, was pretty funny. It definitely felt like a 1970s <laughs> horror film when they have the prison scene and the prisoners are th- just bloodthirsty for no reason. So I did enjoy that um, and how they just ganged up on her for no reason, like <laughs> unprovoked. So I don't think that would happen in a holding cell. It was still fun though. I'm, I'm a bit confused as to why they were all in the same holding cell. Like particularly when we have Madison who at that point is suspected of having kidnapped a woman. Like is it even safe for like the other prisoners who okay might be in there on lesser charges to to like be mm-hmm. in a cell with her? Like I don't know. Yeah. Okay I, I don't know why I've picking up on this like possible plot hole in like this otherwise amazing but I don't like yeah but anyway that no, that, I... that was it's not a plot hole they just don't have enough money to put each person in yeah I don't cells. know about gels uh but to me that seems <laughs> Like well, I don't know how they do it, but to me that seemed realistic because this is just to say she's not seen a judge or anything yet. Like she's just been booked. She's not been arraigned. So they'll just put you there for a day or two until you go in front of a judge and then they just decide if you get bail. They decide if you don't get bail and then then she wouldn't be in jail with someone who's just there on a drug charge. Well, but, but then maybe, yeah. maybe... <laughs> Maybe not. It depends because they do do that. I mean, because I because look, if, even if you're held without bail, right, they still have to take the case to trial, which means if you don't get bail, you could be there for a year or two. And that's still jail. That's not prison. So, yeah, you just would be in there. So something to keep in mind, you go to Vegas and have too good a time. You might be in a cell with somebody who's wanted on several murders, but it's fine. I mean, I'm not really scared of stuff like that because <laughs> I mean, number one. On average, in the U.S., they only 
catch half of murders anyway. So yes, Susie at the office who has that fun banter and always brings you a coffee as she goes out during lunch. Yeah, she could be a murderer. It's it's fine. And usually murderers just kill once. It's circumstance and they're not going to hurt anybody else. So you're safe. They're not going to just, oh, I'm going to murder my cellmate because I murdered my wife. No. No one's going to do that. It's fine. Except medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Okay. I have to say, of of all the things, I'm impressed that that's what hit you as a plot hole. Uh, I mean, uh, they were... I don't know. I guess, guess, well, as you know, I've been watching lots of, like, police, British police procedurals. And what happens in those is when they, the, um, you know, uh, someone is, uh, you know, arrested and there's suspicion of committing a crime that they're thrown in a cell in a police station on their own and then there's always that right so it was on your mind like like, you know like walking around this tiny cell and trying to get to sleep and 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 all of that but they're always on their own they're never with like like 10 or 15 other people like um madison (laughs) i don't i'm not complaining though because it led to what is like possibly what it might be one of my favorite scenes of, of any film ever on like honest honestly like i i just which no, is it, the prison scene it just it left me speechless right but in the best like my jaw was probably on the floor no. well what was it specifically that you you enjoyed and then that you enjoyed about the whole film really uh, do you know what i think okay go back to so when i watched the trailer this was actually the trailer when I <clears throat> sorry I'll start that again. So when I watched the trailer, um, it was uh, paired with uh, two other trailers for horror films. One being um, the Night House, uh, so I'm a record hall, which um, I also recommend. Um, the other being Halloween Kills. Oh, and I think there was also the Candyman trailer, but um, for the uh, remake for sequel. Um. And they were all, you know, they, they were all presenting this very, like, serious, like, you know, not, not at all kind of tongue-in-cheek horror films. Um, and I was excited for Malignant. Um, what I've really um, realised as I've, you know, like, reflected on Malignant is, I mean, firstly, how trailers mislead, but also... Okay, I'm trying to think of an eloquent way to put this, but how how it how the film how how the film plays out, knowing we're expecting it to be a certain thing, and then totally turning that idea on its head uh, in mm-hmm. the best, most over the top way possible. Like it's just it take it to be honest. Like it took me a while to get on board with the film, and then. Once I did, I think <clears throat> I think there were two points at which I realised, okay, this is what it is. This is what Malignant is. Is firstly when her her biological mother smashes through the um, the floor of uh, the kind of weird, what looks like a kind of underground cabin with a giant fan for some reason um, in the background where she's trapped, and she mm-hmm. she falls. Uh, into another room which was revealed to be <laughs> the living room of Madison's house <laughs> and Madison started yes. screaming I think that was when I thought oh okay okay 
now 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 I'm with you, Malignant. Now I'm with you. And then and then the prison scene. Oh my god, that was just I think also the fact that it was just they were cutting between Madison in the jail cell, like experiencing pain in her head. And also like Annabelle oh Okay, pause, let me let me just Her name's Annabelle Wallace. Annabelle Wallace. Yeah, because I was wondering, like, oh, fuck, am I just thinking it's called Annabelle? Because there's a film, a spin-off of The Conjuring called Annabelle. Anyway, <laughs> Annabelle Wallace gives a really great performance, by the way. I think the fact that this prison scene was, like, they were cutting between that and uh, the sister and her mum, uh, Madison's uh, foster mother, watching this videotape um, of, of her at the weird haunted house asylum from a Disney film. Um, and the the camera like moving around to reveal what's at the back of her head. I was I was just it was just a masterclass in in cinema uh, to be to be quite frank in my eyes anyway. But um, uh, you know, reading reviews online, I I appreciate that <laughs> um the a film like this isn't for everyone's uh, taste. But it's interesting, Sakura, that you mentioned that it reminded you of. Of films from the 70s because um, I've read in a number of interviews um, James Wan actually wanted to um, pay tribute to um, uh, a lot of older uh, films of the 70s, 80s, early 90s. Um, so there's in the Italian giallo genre of uh, mystery thrillers, um, particularly mm-hmm. films like Dario Argento, but also, you know, uh, Eyes of Laura Mars, which was considered an American take on Charlo, um, as well as Brian Palmer, um, I think Address to Kill uh, was cited as one inspiration, and I definitely um, uh, saw that uh, elements of that in the uh, reveal of um, who Gabriel was, um, and also um, uh, Wes Craven and David Cronenberg, and you definitely it, it definitely feels very Cronenberg in, you know, in the, the, the body horror aspect for sure. I mean, to be honest, that was probably another reason I fell in love with the film because <laughs> I'm, de- I'm, de- I'm definitely about a body horror and anything, um, uh, anything like that. So, Yeah, would you argue that it's um, a genre that's often undervalued because you felt the need to defend the film, didn't you? You kind of expected expected even Sakura's reaction for example to be negative so for me like camp cinema or camp, it's camp anything camp cultural artifacts <laughs> um you either get them or you don't and I feel like uh, you know walking out of the cinema having watched Malignant I realized oh this is a film that a lot of people are gonna hate but I definitely love so so I am very protective of it. Um to be honest though, in in this in the similar way of you know, how people are protective of snowcoppers, because they're all you know, they they tend to be you know, derided uh, for various reasons. You know, to, also the fact that it was a box office blog. Like to be honest though, it it was released on HBO Max in America at the same time it came into mm-hmm. cinemas. So that might have been um one factor. Yeah, I just knew it would be a polarizing film, but um, and also that 
I mean, okay, so I'm just going back to when, okay, so you saw the film before I did. You, I did. I yeah. asked you, oh, is it any good? Because you knew I had seen the trailer and, and was excited to watch it. Well, we'd seen the trailer yeah, together, didn't we? we? Uh, it was in front yeah. of All uh, by M. Night Shyamalan, actually. Oh, yeah. that's what we were watching. And interestingly, yeah. though, so I feel like All, it, um, it, or, it's, it has that kind of same over-the-top sensibility, but it doesn't go as far with it as, as um, Malignant does. So I, I like Yeah, I agree. But it, I, I didn't think it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Whereas this... I think it definitely found its, but <laughs> it it definitely succeeded at, at what it was trying to do. Well, you know, in this one, I also saw it as a revenge film. This is how it played out to me. So it had that element of sob, which is what I like. So he got people revenge on people who didn't necessarily mm-hmm. do wrong to him, but he needed to take revenge on behalf of those who couldn't get revenge, right? Mm. And this one, she got revenge on those who tried to kill her brother should we say it like that or the brother was getting revenge on those who tried to kill him yeah yeah that's true actually yeah and they deserved it so i'm not sure also are emotionally at the end how we're supposed to feel because number one she's gonna have to go away for a long time she's killed many people so i i'm not sure why she wanted to live what's the point you're gonna be locked up forever first Will she? What What do you mean, will she? Of course she will. I like, so I thought that that's what, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought of the character, but the detective, she was the one bringing everyone back to reality. Like, your sister is not a psychic. Stop saying that. <laughs> okay? And she kept things out of the supernatural because it's like, no, let's, let's not go there. So I thought that that was quite a fun character. And yes, she will but, go to prison forever. She's a serial well, killer. No, because you can you can justify you can't you by all accounts she wasn't responsible for the murders. Oh, Abla. I mean, it's a case that <laughs> do I need yes, to say yes. has never yeah. been seen and will never be seen again, <laughs> so they will have to judge that case on its merits. <laughs> that problem. another entity is responsible. But that's not going to happen. The cop w- the cop already has made clear we will not take these sort of supernatural things into account. But it's not supernatural. I mean, if you want to be really concrete about it, it's not. It's it's another well, being then, then that's committed those crimes. Brain, so it then raises the question of, oh, is it? So can can one brain house two different people? But that's true. Well, you you make a really good point, which makes me th- makes me think of a film I really like, which is Identity. I don't know if either of you have seen it. It's um, yes, I did. That was that was really good. One of meaning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a few famous faces in there, and which is essentially about, well, again, spoiler alert, but um, judging someone who has what the film considers to be multiple personality disorders. Which is only a problem because he murdered people and they were still going to lock him up. The choice was to go to a prison or an institution. But the doctor was arguing against against locking him up, right? But not, no, not locking him up in a prison, but he was still going to be institutionalized. They were just saying he's not fit to stand trial, so they don't want to see him in a criminal prison. They wanted to see him in a psychiatric facility. Permanently, though, 
He wasn't getting out. Okay, I get you. So he would have to be restrained in the same way that our character here would have to be Only because she's not illustrated she can do that long term. She has now decided she's going to stand up to him. But who says she can? And she's sealed up the back of her head now. So where's her evidence for this? What's his character? What's the character's name again? (laughs) Well, Madison Gabriel. Yes. Where's the evidence for Gabriel? Because everyone saw her her kill them. They didn't see Gabriel. That's the CCTV at the, the police station. With but that's still her. her. Oh, no, but I mean the front of the face. The yeah, I when mean, the camera the pans and you see the... the... Gabriel's face. <laughs> I can't believe we're discussing this. <laughs> because <laughs> the point is they have to lock somebody up. They can't say, oh, well, now that you sealed him up in the back of his head, Godspeed to you, Godspeed. No. No, she was in a room full of murdered police. They're not letting her go. And I like that they did it with the woman, by the way. I'm very happy about that. So overall, they did not cut out the cancer. Ah! No, remember? So the doctor did they? in the video, Because otherwise they, would, they, could, they could effectively judge the well, cancer. Well, the doctor said, and that was what was interesting about it. I'm not sure how her family got hold of these tapes all of a sudden. So maybe I missed that part. It's like, oh, you couldn't watch those tapes when you first adopted her. You're going to watch them now that she's locked up. Okay. So Perfectly functioning um, a tape player, VHS player. Oh, that's right. Now that... That is a plot hole. That is true. Plot like, hole. Because my mom insisted on buying one, a VHS DVD, and we all kept saying, <laughs> why just rebuy the stuff on a DVD? Why would you buy a VHS? And she insists on holding on to the tapes. And when you watch them, you're like, wow, this picture quality is so poor. Only, <laughs> right? And this was probably a decade ago. Yeah, she- why not like, have them to, like, convert it to DVDs? If she was intent on keeping like the home moving don't get me started i tried that because i converted that there was a guy who was he was offering amazing deals in fact he was so cheap he charged me five dollars per hour of video and he dropped it off to my house he didn't mail it (laughs) he dropped it off to my house do you hear what i'm saying he charged me five dollars so of course i said (laughs) well why do you have all these tapes and so then when she moved well, the point is, she has saved these VHSs. You just can't convince her otherwise. It doesn't make sense to me, but, you know, I just, I got tired of trying to tell these old people stuff so long ago. I'm like, whatever. But that is an excellent plot hole. Yeah, where did they get the VHS player? But, 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 <laughs> she, <laughs> the the doctor could only do so much because remember she was saying like, because they share a brain, we can't cut him out totally. And then they showed her pushing him inside of her brain, which was pretty oh, crazy. When you're trying yeah. to, when you're trying, trying to pull some jeans on after Christmas day. <laughs> <laughs> or before, gosh, I have to get off my jeans now because I can't fit them. I'm like, how sad is this jeans I wore? I don't even want to talk about it. It's upsetting. <laughs> so I need to get my life to <laughs> I really have so much to get together sad. But the 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 point remains, right, that she had him in her head and what well, you know, a car accident, she's driving down the road, another car accident, Gabriel could reemerge. She's not safe in the outside world. That's a good point. I mean they did open it to well, sequels, didn't they? At the, at the very end the lamp I think there's a, a was a, a lamp on the desk uh, in the hospital room where her biological mother oh my god also that shot of uh madison hugging her sister while her her biological mother just 
just kind of looks on approvingly, like smiling, like she's just had a lobotomy. That that oh my god, that that just adds to the camp value. Anyway, the fact that like the lamp starts, um, the light in the lamp starts like flickering, uh, which as as we know by this point in the film, like denotes the presence of Gabriel. It's like okay, well he's he's already about to like reappear. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes after saying, "Oh, oh, I'm going to lock you away for a long time," game really. It's like, no, I'm back. I'm back. More the reason to lock her up. Although Abla seems to think that she's not responsible and has no accountability. I mean, in an ideal world, <laughs> she would. Abla, she's not herself. She's not mentally capable of committing those crimes i mean am am i letting her off the hook of course you are and let's not forget (laughs) the end scene where the bed was on her sister and she she those were her words i put you know i pushed it on you i can pull it off too it's like "Mm -hmm." exactly good point still interesting ethical dilemma i bet none of the negative reviews thought of um, highlighting the fact it brings up these issues yeah, no, I didn't look at any of the reviews either. You know, there's a maybe we should do one where we talk about the films that we like that nobody else liked because one, even though everyone does like this film, but it got poor reviews. Actually, two of them came to mind: Dirty Dancing and Beaches. Oh, what? Dirty Dancing! Everyone likes it. Oh, no? I personally wasn't it, keen, but I've never watched it. Well, you're not missing much well look we liked it as children i hope we don't like it as adults it's similar to my uh you know my child (laughs) my childhood friend she used to love pretty woman now i never really got it i thought the film was okay even as a girl but i could watch it with her and we did watch it at least twice a week i mean it was pretty regular that was on rotation but then I watched it at 18 and I said, oh my God, this is horrible. <laughs> Why did we like it? I, it? And then it became a joke later when that film Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion came out where we realized that's the part that we liked was when she went shopping. That's really what we liked about the film, but nothing oh. else. We didn't really like it. So I think now that the musical is out, I'm really questioning, is this the message we want to send about relationships? And maybe that's why people of my generation aren't getting married until they're 35, because you're waiting for, you're waiting for a rich guy to wife you and it's not happening. The Um, real, the real, and interestingly, the screenplay before it got its Hollywood treatment, they didn't end up together. She got her money and she was able to uh, help her colleague to live out her dream kit oh right well that's more realistic it was but the test audience is oh no they have to get together it's like but no why why would they do that because it's not like it was a situation of a sugar baby and a sugar daddy right and after several trips they realize they have things in common it's like no he was only in la for the weekend and he just wanted some sexual healing he wasn't looking for a relationship yeah yeah and the fact and, and and they also never established why they would get along like what was so great about vivian nothing <laughs> they just didn't have anything in common you get what i mean it's like what was the thing where they said oh wow we should be together nothing in fact we no. didn't re- learn anything it wasn't about implied vivian. that it was anything beyond her looks yeah it wasn't because they don't even really tell us anything about vivian in the film we just learned that oh she's a sex worker with a heart of gold because and she's better than her friend because she doesn't do drugs whatever and like she could survive hollywood without a pimp also hard to believe then 
<laughs> right? And and she just gives some vague history about being abused. And we don't know what that means. We don't know what kind of abuse it is. Uh, we just know that she wants to be treated with respect. But that's fair. Everybody does. But that doesn't tell us about her. But we learn a lot about Richard Gere's character, right? We know he was never good enough uh-huh. with his father. We know that led to his decision to break up businesses. We know that he's driven by business and not very in touch with things emotionally. He struggles to look at the complex relationship with his father. We also see clearly he has no permanent relationship. And at his age, we're like, wow, you're really emotionally distant and you lose yourself in your work so that you do not have to establish a family oh, yeah, probably because he has so so many struggles in his family he can't see himself creating one that works for him so we learn about him and we like him but she's just eye candy but it was a film that i don't know how we got to pretty woman it was dirty dancing a dirty dancing critics didn't like it so not the audiences the audience didn't like it oh i didn't realize and beaches critics didn't like it and i really like beaches and in fact my best friend at the time i told her i said wow this could be our friendship so let's always promise if we have that falling out that we won't let it destroy our friendship <laughs> the falling out that hillary and cc had but no we did have a falling out and it killed our friendship so look at that life did imitate art <laughs> it did it did now one thing i can say also about this film so after i found out the director was james wan i was disappointed that there weren't more asian and or asian american characters in the film because to me it's i just feel like that's the point like if you see, and I know he's Australian, right? But in the U.S., if you have black directors, like it's just kind of implied, like I hope you hook up some people with work, right? And at least have some representation in your film. So I did appreciate that the lead detective was, um, is there a term for that? Do we say biracial? Is that is that a term that's used? I don't even know anymore. I didn't think he was Asian. I thought he was Hawaiian. No, he's not but he's he's um he's of asian heritage and white heritage uh oh okay so i did appreciate him in the film i still think he could have squeezed another one in there i i didn't even realize that's something he would even be thinking about i mean i don't think there are any asian characters he should be thinking about films. it it's like whose side are you on here because if you have a lack of you know lack of representation and i think in terms of horror films you don't really see asian americans in those films no that's all i'm saying and i guess i appreciate i can't think of any yeah you don't really see it and i'm glad though that he had the because of course the thing with the expectations the black character will always die so i appreciate that the detective lived that was exciting that was nice i mean other than the abusive husband at the beginning i i I don't think any of the main characters die which was interesting for a horror film, wasn't it? I mean, they're, they're all in, in various like points of danger. Um, but, yeah, none of the, oh, uh, the doctor, the, 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 we, <laughs> the woman, who, okay, there's, there's two iconic lines she delivers. One is the, um, it's time we cut out the council line. The other is, <laughs> you've been a bad boy, Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that I wasn't ready for that. That was, <laughs> but I like how they set that up, right? So that we definitely believe that Gabriel was a real character. He was. Well, I think in terms of a real character, like a real demonic entity yeah, or, or something. Right. Okay. From, from Madison. Um, yeah. 
Right, right. So there were no hints that she was a twin, like there was no scar, <laughs> a questionable scar or something. And I must say, too, I also appreciated the way he presented a relationship with intimate partner violence. Like that felt realistic mm. to me, the way it was playing, you know, the way that she was with him for years, despite the yeah. fact that it was a train wreck, she was still trying to have a baby in that relationship that felt realistic. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Any last words to say about um, Malignant? I, okay, I don't have any last words because I I would just um, really encourage encourage people who uh, watch it with an open mind but um, no expectations <laughs> <laughs> whatsoever. I mean, it was very entertaining, if nothing else. And I thought it was good for its budget because it was forty million dollar budget. It was fun. Yeah. So. Um, Actually, um, just quickly, well, uh, I was reading some more uh, interviews with James Wan, and he said he, he actually, uh, so Sakura, you said you really liked Saw. He he did say um, he he wanted a kind of you know smaller scale film than than Aquaman or the Fast and Furious film that he directed, or The Conjuring, where um, they kind of harken back to like his earliest films. Um, so mm-hmm. so yeah, it's um. Yeah, I think, I think, but also he said he wanted. <laughs> oh God! Ah. I'm get my fucking words up. Um, but he he said but saying that he he said um, what you know his uh, experience of like directing big budget um visual effects heavy films uh, you know helped definitely helped him on on a malignant. I I was really uh, impressed by the combination of. Um, the practical effects, so the, the animatronics on Gabriel, also the um, visual effects. I think I think they were pretty seamless, and also yeah. the <clears throat> uh, the scenes of in which uh, Madison is having visions of uh, her, the murders Gabriel is committing, where um, she transitions from her bedroom, for instance, to to the actual scene of the crime taking place, they were that was um, they were really good. So, so yeah, visually uh, engaging film as well. And uh, I I say that uh, without any reference to the to the rather uh, attractive actor who plays <laughs> the lead police. Well, that's another thing that I was you know as you're speaking, I was thinking about Eddie is what the play on he did with visions because. I think something interesting that you used to see in the 90s, you don't see so much anymore, is the character with visions was always good. So it was like their visions were coming from God or angels or however you, you know, you would interpret that. And it was to help in the fight of good versus evil. But in this one, her visions were reality. (laughs) And I thought they did a fun play on that. To say, like, mm, are these really visions and what's the source of visions? To yeah. really, to poke at that idea. Well, that was malignant. Yeah, stream it once, stream it twice. Fair enough, you've been warned. Stream it many, many times. Buy it on iTunes. Okay, so I assume we're not going to be talking too much about it because it's, you're quite, quite critical, Socorro. Um, coming to America too. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we don't have enough time to talk about it. Uh, you wanted to, okay, you want to talk about it at length. 
We'll, yeah, we'll have to think about okay. what we could pair that with. Uh, I've not seen Kamehameha. Oh, there's so many films. I've not seen. Why, am I, why am I on a film podcast? There's so many films. I've not seen <laughs> Dirty Dancing. I've not seen Coming to America. I... You can skip Dirty Dancing because it was an interesting yeah, one. Yeah, watch bits of it. Because I don't think I realized some of the subtext in Dirty Dancing. But mind you, I did watch that as a girl. And in hindsight, I asked because that was just one of the many films I watched that was inappropriate for children. Yeah, I asked my mom, why did you let me watch that stuff? She was like, you weren't old enough to really understand it. So I'm like, who cares? <laughs> Which is true. I didn't. So I thought I understood things that I didn't. But even then it was kind of raunchy. You know, for the 80s, that dancing, it was, it was for my sheltered eyes. It was like, oh, should I be watching this? And that we thought it was a Cinderella story, right? Because baby becomes a woman. And the irony yeah. about it too was my stepmother, who I never got along with, she lo- loved Dirty Dancing and she used to watch it and she knew I really liked that film, but she would like watch it when I was home and not even invite me to watch it. She'd watch it in her bedroom. <laughs> Don't you think that's messed up? Well, because she didn't want you to see it. Exactly! Oh, God. <laughs> it's like when, it, when I was like watching like queer films as a teenager, like teenager in the closet, like <laughs> at 2am like in the living room with my parents. But it's not the same. The analogy would be if your mom said, wow, I really want us to bond. And she was like, oh, and I really like queer films. And then you decide to watch it in the closet so you don't have to share the experience with her. When all your mom would do is sit on the sofa and watch it with you. She wouldn't ask questions. She wouldn't be watching you to see how you're watching the film. Just hiding it from her for no good reason. It doesn't make sense. But she did it anyway. And I just thought, she is so petty. Why does anybody like her? She's the worst. Who does that? (laughs) You don't think? Why is no one agreeing with me? You don't think that's just extra? I think she wanted some me time. (laughs) What? A film is already pretty solitary. I mean, I know I talk a lot during films, but I wouldn't have talked to her because we didn't get along. (laughs) And she wouldn't have known that. So stop making excuses for me time to watch a film. No, that's not what you do with me time. You sleep, you write me time with the film. She was on her own in the bedroom. What makes you think that she was watching the film? I can hear it. What do you mean? Of course that's how I knew she was watching it. I could hear it. (laughs) It all feels very personal. Exactly. It was very personal. That's why I'm telling you. She was the worst. Gosh, I still don't like her after all these years. She's just like, who does that? It doesn't make sense. Because, <laughs> you know, there have been children I don't like either. Even I have a friend who has stepchildren who she doesn't like. It doesn't mean that you do that. You suck it up and realize, oh, we all have our crosses to bear. This is what happens when you fall in love with a man with kids. <laughs> You've got to deal with their children you don't like. But you don't get to actually let the kids know you don't like them. You tell your friends, which is why she told me. Yeah, because, it's you know, you still have to make a home for them as much as you, you know, regret your life decisions. But that's the point. It was a life decision. <laughs> that was not an arranged marriage. Their choices. And it wouldn't have killed her. Because it was my favorite film. It's not like it was, you know, there was a ton of films in the house. So part of it was just slightly, you know, a few things of it. And don't be wrong, the film is still okay. But just some things are slightly inappropriate that you don't catch on to as a girl. But they never really gave you the age. And they actually poked fun of of that in one of the cutaways on Family Guy. Where 
So baby yeah. in the film, baby was 17. She may have been 18 because she was going off to college that fall. This was the summer before. So she may have been 18, but let, let's give her that. But I think she was 17, to be honest. Um, and Johnny Castle was played by Patrick Swayze, who was definitely in his 20s. They never gave you a number on that. But it just no was it yeah it wasn't the idea that he was much older than her well i don't know because they didn't say like you got it since they were young people from the characters um and the kind of life they were leading because you i don't think it, it would be typical to have working class people 30 single and working at a resort so you did get a sense they were in their 20s uh, mm-hmm. but it was still inappropriate for that age gap. And so when they did the cutaway and family got, they were like, how, because remember that, so there's a scene, Eddie, and this is kind of the iconic scene where he gets fired because of, as a staff member, you're not allowed to have a relationship with the guests of the resort. So it comes out because she thinks that she's helping him to not get in trouble for something else. So she discloses that they're, in a relationship so he gets fired so then he decides that he's going to come back because he always does the final show for the season because he's the best dancer there so he decides that no he's going to come back and do the show but not do the show how they want which is typically what he he does but he wants to do the show with his kind with the dancing that they do during staff time so that's where the dirty dancing came in, because that's like the kind of dancing they do at the clubs at home, but they don't perform that for the resort because it's uppity, right? So they perform the classical dances. <laughs> so he's like, no, we're going to do our kind of dancing our way in the final show this year. That was his way of standing up for himself. Now, Baby, who was the teenage character, she helped by covering one of the gigs that they had and so she had to learn a dance routine so now she knows how to dance but nobody knows this because this was all a secret so she that's how they became involved was because she he had to teach her to do the dance to cover for one of the other dancers and none of this was her job but this is just like baby being self-important and as usual rich people button into things that aren't their business but they still became friends so he walks into the room where she's sitting with her family watching the final dance scene and He's like, no, we're going to dance. And she and he tells her father, nobody puts baby in the corner. Right. It's like, no, she's a star and she gets to shine. Right. Yeah. She's the, so when, when they did the cutaway in Family Guy, he was just like, no one puts baby in the corner. And the dad stood up. He was like, I do because I'm her father. How old are you? And he was like, 37. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Do you know uh-huh. what? That's probably the scene I was thinking of. That's why I remember him because I've not actually watched the whole film. I watched it snippets, but I was thinking of the Family Guy so in my mind he was much right. older yeah, and they were being funny but it was funny because it was in terms of <laughs> it's like the things you overlook when you try to make things make sense that actually shouldn't make sense in the real world and I don't think it's the same as malignant because for a horror film you're extending into an alternate reality so you make concessions for things like demons right performing unspeakable violence in the material world so we're fine to accept that but you would think in films that are supposed to be more true to life like dirty dancing which was based on someone's memoirs that 
we would say, oh, I don't know about someone that young being involved with someone that much older. I don't know. Right? It's just not so appropriate. And you kind of look at Johnny with a bit of a side eye, like, why are you getting involved with her? Which he never explained, because the thing about Johnny was he was a gigolo during the summer. That's how he made that extra money. By gigolo, are we, are we saying he's a he's a he's a dancer or a or a he he would sleep? I'm with a women. sex worker. Why would you call a dancer a gigolo? That's not nice. I... <laughs> no, 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 no. So no, I did mean a sex worker, but he was really. It's implied he's a implied. Sex worker. He said it. Remember, because that was. No, I don't. I've I've not seen the whole oh, film. Oh, okay. But I, for me, I I honestly thought it was a sort of family friendly film. It's rated R for a reason. No, it is not a family film. Oh. And the thing is, no. So what happened was in one of the scenes, one of the wives, because that's what happens. It's a resort, but you know you have to have money to go there. So what happens are the wives will stay at the resort all season, but the husbands who work in New York City will just come up for the weekend because this is in the Catskills. So the wives are ladies who lunch. And so they sleep with the male staff, mm-hmm. but they also pay them money for that. So it's like, you know, you know, they don't go around sleeping with older women. It's like they get money for that. That's sex work. So Johnny does it, but you know, it's just kind of what he does while he's there. And in one sense, because there's a scene with him and baby where he's just like, you know, you, you just start to get involved. And part of you thinks, wow, they really must care about me. But no, they don't. They're just using me, right? Um, I'm not. So, you know, part of him is like, he sees it as a relationship of sorts, but he knows, in fact, they are paying him. They're using him. But no, it is sex work for sure. <laughs> no, no, no way around that. But that's because he doesn't make much money, right? He's a dancer. Don't forget. So most of his, that's the bulk of his money is made during those summers. Because I don't know if you're familiar with how that works in those resorts, but even college students do it. And in the film, I mean, that happens now that college students do it. But in the film, that's also what happens. I met this young woman once and she, you know, she was black. She was a student at uh, Mount Holyoke. And even she told me that, that she would work there during the summers because not only do they tip you huge amounts because they know you're a college student, right? They just want to give you money for that, for the summer. But you also meet people who would want to give you more money. Like you would talk to the patrons and explain what you're doing for school. And these are rich people, right? So they will give you money or they're affluent at least. So even in the film, that was what the when they introduce them, because there's different levels of workers. So the sister becomes involved with one of the waiters and the family, when the owner of the resort introduces him says, Oh, he's a medical student, right? So yeah, he's a waiter for the summer, but they're going to line his pockets so that he can make a substantial sum during the money. But back in the sixties and seventies, that's how the world was set up is that you could work for the summer. My mom did that too, just as a secretary, she'd work for the summer and then that would pay for her expenses during the academic year. So that's how the world was set up then. And of course, these students um, were going to Ivy League universities. And, you know, it was was that sort of in the world where you work during the summer, not during the academic year. So the sister starts dating the waiter, right? But the waiter also dabbles in the sex work too, right? (laughs) Some extra money. So it's just part of the culture, so to speak. But as you can imagine, it means something very different if during the autumn, winter, and spring you're going to 
university or if you are like Johnny, you have to piece together temp work and gigs during the year until you get back during the summer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an interesting thing, looking at labor and the comparison of gig work and summer work and seasonal work and what that means if you are a student versus working class. So, God, that's the most profound reading into this film I've ever heard. Now I need, I need to watch Yeah, no, watch it. And that's the thing, like, but that's the thing. It's like, I like it. I'm just saying I don't love it. And as a girl, like, I loved it. Like, we even, well, I, I shouldn't say we because I learned that. Like, the final dance routine, just so we could do it in life but just for no reason at all oh kids have so much fun we used to love to dance as girls good timing well that was a nice trip down memory lane <laughs> but for now this is it thank you very much for listening you can follow us and tweet us at my, at my diorama send us comments and requests if you so wish and have a good week